Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. So 21 truths and thoughts I want to leave with you in the year 2021. These are basic truths. These are spiritual disciplines. These are secrets, you know. Uh, another word that many of you know is Kung Fu, you know. Give us some Kung Fu of how you uh, uh, get to uh, uh, do things uh, that seem to be abnormal, uh, that seems to be supernatural and even spiritual. Uh, you know, maybe you might even call this the 21 Kung Fus uh, uh, or the 21 arts uh, um, of, uh, of breakthrough, okay? 21 truths, I should say. Spiritual disciplines. Now, before I move on with um, the next three thoughts, I shared with you the first three last week. I will share with you another three. If I could, I'll share with you six. But uh, there are 13 in the first block, another eight in the next block. 13 plus eight is 21. I hope my maths is correct. But before I get into that, I want to share with you the scripture, the underlining scripture that's found in 2 Timothy 4 7. And this is what the word of God says in 2 Timothy. Four, seven. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, I know and I believe that all of us, all of us watching, all of us who are here at DVCC, the home of X Church here in Summit, um, I know for a fact that all of us, we have our own fights to fight every single day. From the, mor- from the time we wake up in the morning till the time we close our eyes and go to bed, uh, there is a fight. The Bible calls it a good fight and a fight that we need to fight. But how do we fight in a way that we can win? Uh, There is a race that we are all running and a race that we all should finish. But there is also an enemy called the devil who wants us to lose this fight, who wants us not to finish this race. But we are all finishers in Christ because Christ himself is a finisher. And he is the author and finisher of our faith, says Hebrews chapter 12. He is the author and finisher. So we are all called and meant to, intended to be finishing the race that we are running. Every day we are running a race. It's not a 100 meter dash. It's more like a marathon of life. And I want all of us to finish and to finish well. How well? This is how well we want to finish. That at the end when we touch the tape, the end tape, the last Uh, finishing line tape of our lives, we can say, like Paul said, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Jesus wants us to keep the faith. The devil doesn't want us to keep the faith. He knows how powerful our faith is. The Bible says in John, uh, I believe it's 1 John, I believe it's 1 John chapter 5, I'm trying to go by memory now, but it says that it is our faith that has overcome the world. It is our faith. If you really want to overcome the world, friends, it is by faith and not by sight. And that's why the Bible says to live by faith and not by sight. So I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And these are some of the ways to do it. So the first three, I will just repeat to you very quickly as a point of review. One, number one, the highest of all of them is to love God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. That's what the Bible tells us. This is the first and greatest commandment. Number one. Number two is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says that. And then number three, the top three, the third one says, serve God with all your heart. Serve God with all your heart. In everything that you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. We read from Colossians. So love the Lord your God with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Serve God with all your heart. If you can do these three things, you will prosper. You will be well. You will grow and you will be satisfied. These are the three most important. Now, the next three are these. Here is point number four. Always put God first in everything. Always put God first in everything. This sounds simple, but not many of us remember to do it. But our God, He loves to be first. Our God wants to be first. Our God knows that we need to put Him first. Because if we don't put Him first, someone else or something else will take that place. And if someone or something else besides God takes that place, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. You know, Revelations 2.4 
says this, that God is our first love. Yes, He is our first love. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for 25 years. And some of you know that I love my wife very much. And you know that she loves me too. And that's good because God has called us to love uh, each other. In fact, the scripture says to husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So it's a very divine love. It's a very powerful love. And I love my wife. But I can tell you this. If you ask me honestly, I will have to tell you that I cannot, I must not love my wife as much as I love God. He is my first love. She cannot take that place. As much as I can love her with my human love, I cannot and I must not and I must never love my wife in the place of God. God must remain as my first love. I know it doesn't sound romantic, people, because most of the songs that you like from uh, you know, Ed Sheeran, I think his name is, or, or, or whoever it is that your favourite songs out there, you know, I will climb the highest mountain, swim the furthest sea, you know, dive the deepest ocean, I will, you know, whatever, I'm nothing without you, I can't breathe without you. All those things sound so romantic, but really they all should be sung unto God. Because there's no one else on the face of the earth that is deserving of you crossing the seas for. I'm telling you right now, there's no one deserving, you know, climbing Mount Everest and down. You know, seriously, friends. I know why you want to sing that way. Because all of you were made in God's image. And actually, God should have that place. And so those songs are coming out. We don't realize it, but it's actually coming out unto God, really. But then we thought that it was coming out for our girlfriend, coming out for our boyfriend. Now, honestly, if you ask my wife, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Sandra, who is your first love? She will also not be daring enough. She will also will tell you that it cannot be my husband even though I love him. It has to be God. And I tell you this, why God has made this so. It's because of this. And listen to me now, this is very important. If my wife can know that her husband, Kenneth Chin, loves God first, then she will also know that I will also always love her. If my wife knows that my first love is God, then she will be guaranteed almost that I will always be faithful to her. And if I know that Pastor Sandra's first love is not me, then I know that she will always love me. You, are, you, are you all still with me? This is the guarantee when you put God first, He will make sure that we live our lives right. And my wife could be so passionate about God, she could go here and there and serve God and go like, oh, I, you know, uh, Pastor Kenneth, you asked me to love God first and so I'm everywhere serving God. But you know, the Lord will speak to her and say, no, uh, Sandra, uh, you know, you're supposed to also love your husband. Please go back and cook for him. He's hungry. And, and Pastor Sandra will do it because she loves God first and she will hear his voice and when he says, go and do this for your husband, she will do it unto him first. Uh, uh, and that is the way to live this life. And the same is with me. You know, when I'm about to be tempted to do other things, you know, to look at another woman or, 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 or enter into pornography, you know, my, my, my God, who I love first, will remind me, hey, hey, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't be unfaithful to your wife. And sometimes guys don't understand this, but even going into pornography can be unfaithful to your wife. We don't understand this, but it's true because you're looking at other women. You're looking at how other people are doing it. You're, you're getting excited about other women, but you should, be getting, you should be getting excited about your wife. So listen to me. You love God first. God loves us so much. You see, He's not one of those selfish dudes up in heaven who just, oh, please love me, please love me. You know, I'm so insecure, God is saying. No, we can't imagine an insecure God. We can only imagine a God that loves us so much that He tells us to love Him and He tells us to put Him first because it's only for our own good. The marriages that put God first will last. And not last, but will be strong. And not just strong, but they will serve from their lives and give God and the world their best. I'm telling you right now. It's the same thing with children. Some, some of you, you know, now that you have children, you go like, wow, this son has changed my life. This daughter has changed my life. I'm no longer the same. I feel like I'm complete now with this son or with this daughter. No, you're supposed to be complete in God, in Jesus. Are you all still with me? That's why Abraham was asked to put God first. And by putting God first, he could even offer back his only son, Isaac. How could he do that? Because he loved God first. And of course, he knew that God had the power to resurrect his son after he had killed him. You are, are you all still with me? How, what, what makes people do the things they do? Well, the answer is, God is first. God is first. And it's not just first love. 
It's also first fruit. Have you heard of first fruit? Give unto God first fruit. That's the difference between Cain and Abel, friends. If you look back into Genesis, you will read that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Abel brought an offering to the Lord. But why was Abel's offering accepted and not Cain? Because Cain brought, the Bible says, the fruit of the ground. Nothing wrong with that, nothing bad with that. He brought the fruit of the ground and gave it to God. Here, God, you know, just I got some, I, I put some things together, went around my field and just plucked, you know, whatever. I just put some things in the basket. Here you go, God. Here you go. I hope you are pleased. And, you know, I think God wasn't really upset. In fact, the Bible didn't even say that God was upset with Cain's offering. The Bible only said that God accepted Abel's offering. And then Cain got jealous. So you see, I don't see the word upset, so don't think that God is just upset with your offering. He accepted Abel's offering because the Bible says very clearly, and you read it in Genesis, that Abel brought from the first fruit, from the firstborn of the animals that he had. Are you all still with me? The, the, the key difference between Cain and Abel is not that one was more special than the other, one had more knowledge than the other, one was, you know, uh, Adam's and Eve's favourite son. No, no, no. The key difference was what did it mean to us when we brought that to God? What does it mean to us today when we bring this offering to the Lord? First fruit. God wants not just any fruit, but first fruit because you only give God your best. Firstborn. I can go on to talk about firstborn. Why does God want the firstborn? The firstborn means a lot to parents. Yes, you can have 10 children, but your firstborn will always be special to you. God calls that firstborn, you know what? The one that broke through the womb. The one, the one that broke, uh, you know, uh, 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 the womb. The one that came forth. The first one that came forth from the womb is precious. And he says, that child is mine. That child is mine. Now, a lot of parents don't understand this. And so they go, no, 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 it's mine. You know, the, the key is not about having children. The key is about having children and still giving it back to God. Can you, can, so, so sometimes the children are so precious, you, you don't want to give it back to God. But God says, if I'm going to give you a child, you better give him back to me. Wow, I give you a child, you give him back to me. That's, that's the equation. And, and so even before you get a child, please remember that God must be first in everything. In everything, can you put him first? And it's not only about first love, first fruit, first born. It's also about first command. The Bible says in Matthew 22, verse 38, Mark 12, verse 30, that this is the first and greatest command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God must be first. And there are also many other scriptures that talk about first, but one that we all like is found in Matthew. I believe it's chapter 6, verse 33. If I get my quotation right. But you all know the scripture. If I quote it, it says, Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all, come on, all these things shall be added unto you. Come on, people, I pray there will be a revival in your hearts today. Don't think about the all first. Don't think about the blessing first. Don't think about the breakthrough first. Don't think about, you know, God answering your prayer first. Can you put Him first? Because when He does give you that blessing, when He does give you that breakthrough, when He does give you that baby, you know, that baby still has to be given back to God. You see, so, so, it's, so it's not about God, God just bless me and just give me the breakthrough. It's about God, you can trust me to give this back to you because I'm already giving it back to you. Before I even get the blessing, before I even get the breakthrough, before I even get the baby, you are already number one in my life. And nothing can change that. No, nothing. My child will never be my God. My, 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 it will never be my Isaac. Uh, you know, my wife will never be my idol. You know, my career, my job, my money. No, God, you are number one. You are number one. And I want to remind you that our God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. And the Bible is very clear about that. Exodus 20 verse 5 says that. Exodus 34, 14 says that. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says that. James 4 verse 5. You know, James 4 verse 5, I just read it a couple of weeks ago. You know what it says? Do you not know that the spirit that lives within you yearns jealously? He yearns jealously. You know why he yearns? Because many of us don't live the way of putting God first. And so while the spirit of God is living in us, he, I, I think he's being grieved 
every day because he's being put second, he's being put third, and he's being put fifth, and he's being put 15th, and he's being put 25th. You know, he should be first. And he's almost like wanting to shout to us and say, this is the problem why things are not aligning in your life. Things are not happening in your life. Things are not you know, uh, 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 coming through because God is not yet first. And I'm telling you right now, God is a jealous God. And you, want, you know what I want to say? I want to say thank you, Lord, for being jealous. Because I can't imagine you not being jealous. If you are not jealous, then you are a tida apa a God. You know what a tida apa God is? Uh, never mind, lah. you just go ahead and do what you want to do. Uh, just go ahead and do what you do. It's okay. Nah, it's okay. I, I'm alright. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. I uh, don't need this from you. I, I, I don't need your worship. I don't need, you know, fine, fine, no problem. No, but our God is so jealous for us uh, that he, he always makes sure uh, that our concern and our interests uh, and our lives and, 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 and where we're going and where we came from and everything, you know, it's, it's, it's all aligned. Friends, I want to tell you this. Can, can I just, just go a little bit deeper with you? Because I've been a pastor now for nearly 30 years, I want to say there are a few things I've seen uh, through these years of just, just having this experience of being pastor. I, I can tell you, I know when a person hasn't put God first. I know it in my life and I know it in people's lives. A person hasn't put God first if a person can give up God or the things that God has called him or her to do just because someone else did something or said something or whatever it is, it's always someone else. Now, if that someone else, no matter what he or she has done to you, said to you, can be your focus now and you can leave ministry and you can leave serving God and you can leave God just because of someone else, then that someone else, I assure you, is your first, not God. But if God was your first love, your first focus, your first attention, then no matter what people have said, no matter how they have hurt your feelings, no matter what they have done, they are not first. And because they are not first, you don't leave God. If God is your first love, you leave them. You leave the hurts that they have brought to you. You leave the bitterness that they have brought to you. You leave, you know, whatever it is, you leave people for God. You don't leave God for people. If you leave God for people, I assure you God is not your first love. So listen to me very carefully. If God really was your first love, you will have the strength to leave the sadness and to leave the bitterness and to leave the unforgiveness because all these things are people that brought that to you. They brought you those words that hurt you and cut your heart. They brought you betrayal. They brought you unfaithfulness. But you see, many people concentrate on that bitterness. They concentrate on their unfaithfulness. They concentrate on their unforgiveness. And the people around them become the first focus and attention and not God. And so what happens is that they follow after this even though it's bad or good and they leave God. It's not to be. If you put God first, then you leave those things and you follow Him. Can I hear a good amen? And so you know and you know and you know. You can't bluff me or you can't bluff yourself. You can't bluff anyone that, oh no, God is my first. No, if He's really your first, then follow Him no matter what. Our God is a jealous God. Number five, always prioritize your quiet time with God. You know, the question to me uh, two weeks ago was, what would you have told Benji and Michelle that you sent as missionaries to Osaka, Japan? What would you have told them? How about, you know, Pastor Kenneth, the top three things, what would you say? Well, the top three, I just gave it to you uh, last Sunday. But, you know, I went on to meditate upon it and God gave me another three. And these three, I would say to Benji and Michelle, Benji, whatever you do, make sure God is first. Benji, whatever you do, make sure you don't forget doing your quiet time. Make sure your quiet time is priority. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been following the Lord Jesus Christ for about 35 years now. And for about uh, 30 years, 31 years, I've been preaching His Word. And for about 25 of those years, I've been living by faith, meaning that I don't get a salary. And whatever I get, you know, usually just gets, you know, to somewhere to pay a bill uh, uh, or to pay a rental. Uh, I, I don't have anything extra that comes from anywhere. All I have has come to me from the Lord. Yes, God has used men and women. Yes, God has used people to bless me. God moved their hearts to give to me. But it's God and I give Him all the glory. And I pray that God will bless everyone who's ever given to me. But I want to tell you this, 25 years. And so I've got some things, you know, not many things, but some things I've learned. You know, some Kung Fu, you might want to call it. 
to how, how do you break through into the supernatural? How do you break through in the, into the spiritual blessings? How do you get into that place of victory and overcoming power? How do you become a conqueror even though there's no cash? How, how do you live a life of faith? And so I want to give you some very simple but significant points. And number one for today was put God first. Always do that, friends. I tell you what, you will not regret it. Number two is to always prioritize your quiet time with God. Now, Daniel 6.10, let's look at Daniel 6.10. Daniel, when he heard some bad news that if we were not to bow down before this image, we will be put into the lion's den. So let's read this, right? He got bad news. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. So Daniel heard bad news and even as we today hear bad news, I wonder what is the first thing we'll do. Many of us, I can tell you what's the first thing we'll do, we worry. <laughs> maybe the second thing is that, you know, find out who to call. Uh, you know, maybe the third thing is, I don't know, uh, stop giving, <laughs> uh, stop going, uh, you know, stop everything that you're doing that you are actually passionate about because, you know, uh, just in case there's not enough for you and your family, you know, you will start stopping. Oh, that too words that are opposite, you will start stopping <laughs> uh, and you will stop starting, you know. Uh, and, and, and the fact is that most of us will not go to God first. And that's the truth. That's a fact. But Daniel made it his habit, his custom, his culture that in good news or bad news, he will first go to God. And listen to me now, it's not just one timer, it's three times that day. Three times that day. It was his custom to go to God three times in one day, even though there's bad news. And what do you think he did? He prayed to God. He brought the bad news to God and said, God, even though it's bad news, but you are a good God. I want to say that again. Even though it's bad news, you are a good God. And I put my trust in you. Hallelujah. What does Acts 16, 25 and, and 26 say? Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You know where they were? They were in prison. And the prisoners were, well, listening to them. I think that's a, quite a quick change of scripture, but never mind. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Amen. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Can I prophesy to you now that if you were like Paul and Silas, even though you're in a prison, you know it's time to praise the Lord. So the Bible says at midnight, it sounds like you know, there was a time and, and Paul and Silas was accustomed at a certain time, whether they be in prison or whether they be in paradise, whatever it is, at a certain time, by custom, by culture, by habit, Paul and Silas just went into a praise. They just went into a worship. They just went into singing, you know, hymns. Why? Because they were not bothered by the surroundings. They were not bothered by the dungeon. You know how dark the dungeon was? In fact, the Bible says that uh, when uh, the jailer was instructed to make sure they keep these two, uh, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, secure and make sure that nobody uh, comes in to, to set them free. Uh, the jailer actually uh, uh, was so scared to, to, to lose these two prisoners that he put them into the deepest dungeon, not just any prison, but the deepest and the darkest place. But in that deep, dark place, they said, hey, look at the time. I don't know what watch they were looking at and whether it was Jerusalem time, but whatever time it was, it was praise time. It was prayer time. It was worship time. And there is always a time. And if, if you would put God first, and if you would not forget to prioritize your time with God, I tell you what, I prophesy now to you that the same will happen to you. There will be an earthquake. And the place will shake. I like how somebody put it before, you know. You know, there was a little bird that was in that prison. And the little bird 
you know, heard Paul and Silas sing, and the little bird went dua 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 as 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 the bird followed the 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 the, the harmony and melody of Paul and Silas. The bird went dua 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 dua, and the bird started flying out of the prison and started going higher and higher, and suddenly it reached God's throne, and that bird of praise began to go dua 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 dua, and God loved the tune so much that He started to storm His feet dua 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 dua, and because of the stomping of His feet, the Bible says the earth is God's footstool and when God stomps his feet the earthquake happens so I, I don't want you to think that every song you sing is just hitting the ceiling and coming back but there's a dua 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 and God is loving your song and loving your praise and loving your worship and when he does that man he does that man you know the, the earth shakes and there's an earthquake man and the prison doors open it opened wide open and the jailer was so, my word, panic was probably the understatement of the day. He wanted to kill himself because he thought everyone had escaped. But Paul and Silas says, don't do any harm to yourself. We are all still here. But prison doors will open for you in the name of Jesus. I feel so excited. I want to you know, kind of like beat down on this pulpit, you know, but this is a holy pulpit, so I must take care of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you know, I, I'm, I'm excited because this is what God wants for all of us. And that's why I said to the leaders yesterday, I'm very upset when Christians don't want to live that breakthrough life, don't know how to. If they don't know how to, I'm not so upset. At least I can teach them and they can take this Kung Fu. They can take this Word of God, this truth, I should say, and, and the truth will set them free. But some people know it and don't want it. And they want to turn away and, and, and then they live less than God's best. And it hurts me so. It upsets me because why? It hurts God. It upsets God that His people are not living the abundant life. The life in full, the breakthrough life. Are you all still with me? Come on people. Paul and Silas said, I don't care where I'm, I, I am right now because I know wherever I am, it's God time now. It's praise time now. It's quiet time now. And nothing is going to stop me. Prioritize your quiet time with God. You know what I do in my quiet time? Every morning, you know, the Lord wakes me up. I must say this, I must give Him the glory because by myself, I find it hard to wake up. But you know, for the last one year now, God has been waking me up from 4.30 in the morning, sometimes 5, sometimes 5.30, but never later than that. The Holy Spirit will wake me up, my eyes will be wide open and I know that it's God because God says, I will give you supernatural rest in your body. Your body needs eight hours, but because I want you up, I will replace what you have missed through sleep. And your eyes will be fresh, you will be fresh. Okay, so I get into the bathroom uh, and I make sure that uh, the, the handphone is not my first, uh, the first thing that I look at, okay? I do not want the first message to come from my handphone. I want the first message to come from the Word of God. God is first, even in my quiet time. And yes, I go to the bathroom uh, uh, and, and I brush my teeth because sometimes something tells me in my mind that I would rather praise God with uh, 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 good smelling uh, breath. Hallelujah. And so I gargle my mouth with Listerine. I'm ready to go into God's presence to give God you know, my best. I say the first thing I say when I get down on my knees, yes, I do spend about an hour on my knees, it is again by the grace of God that I can be on my knees for an hour. Then the first thing I say is, good morning Father, good morning Lord Jesus, good morning Holy Spirit. And then I continue for about half an hour just praising God, giving thanks to God. I, I, I sometimes uh, pray in tongues for five to ten minutes or I just give God the first 35 minutes because it says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and all, that's all I do, praising God. You know what I thank God for sometimes? I say, God, thank you for a good night rest. Because how many of you know that rest and sleep is from God? You know? Have you ever toiled and turned on your bed before and can't sleep? In fact, some of you are actually very tired but still can't sleep. In fact, the more tired you are, sometimes you can't sleep. Because you're tired in your body but you're a lot on your mind. A lot on your mind. But when we get good sleep, it's a gift from God. You know what else? I also thank God that my aircon worked the whole night. How many of you have slept before in a room that had no aircon? Uh, well, some of you have no aircon, you have fan. Okay, but let's just say your fan is not working, your aircon is not working, do you know it's very hard to sleep? And so I don't take that for granted. I say, God, thank you, my aircon worked the whole night. Because I've, I have been in a place whereby my aircon didn't work, and I tell you what, it was so hard to sleep. So I, I actually have a lot of things to thank God for, so I take about 35, 40 minutes. And I even thank God that when I go to toilet, to the toilet, before I flush, I thank God that my whole plumbing works. Because I've heard that people have got different problems before where the whatever it is can't come out. Alright? Now, I don't take things for granted because God, I said, so I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that the plumbing worked. 
Thank you, when I flush, it flushed because sometimes people's toilet don't flush and it's a real mess. Uh, thank you that water came on my tap. Thank you, God, uh, that, that I can come into my prayer room now, that my house has got a special prayer room just for Pastor Kenneth because he's a pastor of X Church and what is a pastor of X Church if he doesn't have a, his own prayer room? And so I prayed this before, Lord, give this pastor a prayer room because he leads the most amazing church in this world. So give this pastor a prayer room so that he can seek your face. And so I get down my prayer room, I kneel. I say, God, thank you that I can kneel because a lot of people have got knee problem. They can't bend their knees. I said, God, thank you that it's not me that I can't, I, it's not me that I can't bend my knees. I, 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 I pity those who can't be, uh, bend their knees and I pray for them that their knees will be healed, but I can. And I thank God for that, that I can kneel. Then I go on and on. I said, God, thank you. Then I turn on my aircon in my prayer room. After about half an hour, I said, every time I hear, tit, tit, and it, it turns on, I said, thank you, Jesus. And you know, I just go on, friends. I tell you what, there's so much to thank God for. And then I go and I read the Bible for about 10 minutes. And then, and then, and then there's a, there'll be a routine. There'll be, be a routine. I'm glad it's a routine because I need to remember prayers to pray for my pastors, my elders, my, my church partners. Uh, I, I go like this for every child, every teenager, every campus student, every young working adult, every adult, every marriage, every home, every family, every business, every ministry. Ten things. I will name it every single day. Uh, and it becomes a routine. And so I pray. I cover everybody. I plead the power of the blood of Jesus. That the power of the blood of Jesus will cover us and cleanse us from what? From all sin and sickness, infirmity and iniquity. So this is, this is my routine now. I pray this prayer. I pray for my wife. I pray for our health, our wealth. Our health, our wealth. Because health cannot be bought with money, man. I'm telling you right now. Okay, you can be the richest man in the world and you can be suffering in hospital. Health cannot be bought with money. It's given by God. And so we ask God, you know, God have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. And so I pray, I cover everybody and then I pray for Malaysia. I pray for peace. I pray for good leaders. And then I pray, I, I say, God, uh, you know, I bless the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I bless the God of Israel. And I say, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I name those names of people who are not well. It used to be Calistio. It used to be Nancy Yap. And then they got healed. And then now I pray for Ada. And I pray for a lot of other people whose names are there. I pray for them in the name of Jesus. God told me before that cancer will no longer be a death sentence. Very clear, he spoke to me. He says, Kenneth, I saw a person sitting in front of a doctor and the doctor says, I'm so sorry to tell you, you have cancer. And you go like, all right, um, I'll bring it to God and uh, I'm sure he can heal me. And, 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 and I saw this picture in my mind. I go like, oh, wow, that's bold. And then the Lord said to me, Kenneth, in me, cancer is like a common call. Have you ever cried when you, someone told you you have a call? No, you don't cry when someone says, oh, you have a cold. Uh, so go back home, take some vitamin C's, uh, water and rest. And in three days, you'll be up and going. We don't cry when there's a cold. And the day will come when you don't cry anymore when someone says cancer. Because in God, it will be like a common cold. Do you understand? I said this before. God doesn't say this illness is bigger, that illness is smaller. No, He, had, he, he has paid the price for all sicknesses and all diseases. That's why the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. I confess this and I say, Lord, thank you. The day is coming. And in fact, I confess that it's now that cancer will no longer be a death sentence. To you, O oh God, it will be as a common call. And in Jesus' name, it is healable, it is deliverable, it is something that God is bigger than. Someone said that cancer is the big C. No, Christ is the big C. He is bigger than cancer anytime, always. And so He has paid the price. He has paid the price. I want to keep saying He because I don't want you to look at me. I'm just a human being. I'm just flesh and blood. You know, uh, things can happen to my life. You know, uh, I can be weak. I can be poor. I can be whatever it is. Okay, so don't look at me. I have nothing. But what I have is what God gave to me. And God is saying that He will treat cancer like a common cold. It is Jesus. So I take Him at His word and I come before Him. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that He will fulfill what He says. Someone say Amen. Amen. Praise God. So quiet time. Quiet time. You know, I want to say to you, uh, yesterday we had Aldo here, Acts Leaders Day Out. Uh, it's the one, once a year uh, leaders uh, event, the big leaders event. Of course, we couldn't have it uh, live. Uh, we couldn't come to a physical place. So many of us, the majority of us met online. And, um, you know, uh, we, um, 
We had a great time. It was really, really memorable, really meaningful, really precious, really powerful. And the leaders have been uh, giving their feedback that it, it was really, really a, a powerful meeting. But you know what, what happened uh, th to, uh, towards the end was that we took down the feedback uh, on uh, the whiteboard. Uh, about six, seven of us wrote uh, the feedback that was coming back from 250 leaders. And uh, the top three uh, themes... We call it here not just themes, but daily bread. The daily bread that we downloaded from the Holy Spirit, the top three was this. Number one, intention or intentionally. Doing everything from this year onwards intentionally, with intention, with purpose. Okay, that's number one, highest on the list. But the second highest and the third highest, this is, this is what it is. The second one was prayer. Our leaders want more in their prayer life in 2021. And I can tell you this, it's not a bad thing. It is a good thing to want more of God, to acknowledge that without prayer, uh, it's going to be difficult. Uh, when a person says, I need more prayer, what they are saying is that I need more of God. And I tell you what, you know, this is a, this is, for me as a pastor, it blesses my heart. Because it just says that my leaders depend on the Lord. But number three is the word devotion. Almost all of my leaders want a deeper devotion. And I can understand this, you know, I can understand why. Number one, the power of devotion, the precious time spent with God, the things that we download from God during that time, the things that get done during a quiet time in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. You know, a lot of things gets done in devotion. You know, it gets settled in devotion. It gets rooted in devotion. You know, wars are won on our knees. Battles are won on our knees. You know, things that are uncertain become certain in that one hour of quiet time. That's why I think my leaders want more of devotion. But I think uh, even more than that is this thought that I just had uh, this morning. As I was thinking about the devotion that my leaders want more of, it's not surprising because there's nothing like a good devotion or quiet time that can give us a sense of assurance or even guarantee that no matter what we face, it's been covered. Really. This is, this, at least for me, you know, when I go out in the day, I could face a lot of different things, good things, bad things, testimonies, trials, testings, temptations. And sometimes I have to stop myself and go like, oh my word, did I do my quiet time today? Oh yes, I did. And it doesn't make quiet time magical. It just gives us a sense of assurance, a sense of confidence that we have met with God. That we have had that time to praise the Lord, to thank God, to worship Him, and to also cover everything that is precious to us. It is during the quiet time that we have that we do all this. And so, hours later, when you're faced with whatever you're faced with, you just have to remember. It's almost like this, guys. I was told at the beginning of the pandemic that if we can make sure that our immune system is strong, uh, we are going to be able to stand uh, this or withstand this pandemic. Uh, meaning that the, the, the stronger our immune system, the less chance we will contract this disease. That's what they were telling us. So they said, take more vitamin Cs. And so if you go to a pharmacy or any pharmacy, they'll tell you our vitamin C sales went up. Okay, Our vitamin C sales went up or whatever supplements... Uh, it could be multivitamins or whatever it is, whatever uh, supplements, the, the supplement uh, sales, the vitamin C sales went up and up and up. And pharmacies were doing so well because people were wanting to guard and, and strengthen their immune system. Now, so what do we usually do before we go out of the house? We take, we pump ourselves with vitamin C and then we go. And when we go, we go with a little bit more confidence than the one who didn't uh, uh, take any vitamin Cs, right? So we are going into the lift and there's about, you know, five people. And yes, we have the mask, but we go like, okay, but I've taken my vitamin C. You know what I'm saying? And then we go to the market and then we're shopping. And yeah, we, I'm not saying that we, we break any SOPs. No, we're still doing the SOP, but there's a, there's a quiet confidence. There's a quiet reassurance. There's a quiet like guarantee that I am protected. And I tell you, this is what quiet time does to us. At least it does that to me. I know that I have spent time with God. I know that I have taken my, 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 my problems to the Lord. I know that I've taken my prayer to the Lord. I know that I've taken you know, my worship to the Lord. I've covered everyone in prayer. My wife is covered in prayer. My wife goes out uh, you know, often 
uh, to do ministry and, and, and she drives, uh, you know, uh, at times alone and sometimes she might come back a bit late. And I tell you what, you know what, I, I, I worry for her. I do. Uh, but when, uh, I, you know, the Bible says uh, or teaches us, why worry when we can pray? I should say to you, why worry when you have prayed? And so God, I say, God, uh, my wife is late and she hasn't, uh, you know, sent me any message uh, yet. Maybe she will, in, 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 you know, but it's late. It's, it's already 10 p.m. But then I remind myself, yes, I, I, I really spent time praying for my wife this morning, so I think she's going to be okay. Now, it doesn't stop me, of course, for, uh, to pray for her again. But I want to tell you, as vitamin C is due for some of us, uh, and taking our supplements, you know, uh, I joke with some people who have gout, you know, they have gout problem. So there's a pill called allopurinol. <laughs> Those of you who have gout, you're probably, probably smiling now. Oh, Pastor Kenneth knows a lot about gout. Uh, uh, and uh, the other one is called colchicine. And allopurinol is the one that you take so that you don't get gout. But if you do get gout, you're supposed to take cogesin. Oh, I'm teaching you about gout now. Uh, you take cogesin and you're supposed to break the crystals that has formed around your joints. Okay, That's where the pain, the excruciating pain comes from. But you ask anyone who has gout problem that when they have taken their pill, you know, today, this morning, or the day before, when they, they're supposed to take allopurinol every day if they have gout problem so that they, don't, they will never get gout pain. So I, you, can, you ask anybody who has taken that pill the the allopurinol, when they sit down to eat, and usually you 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 know people who have gout, they they they're not supposed to eat broccoli or cauliflower, or they're not supposed to eat ikan bilis, or they're not supposed to eat seafood or beef and red meat, all that kind, of, right? But you see people who go like, oh, they turn to each other. I've seen this before, husband and wife. Oh, have you taken your pill? <laughs> have you taken your pill? Because by taking the pill, you can actually enjoy that piece of meat. Yeah, because the pill. Uh, helps you lower down your uric acid so that when you eat this, uh, you won't immediately get under an attack of gout and the crystals won't form in your joints and therefore you won't be in pain. But you, you, you see how people's mind think, did I take it or not? Have you taken it? Oh, oh my, my, we haven't taken it but we have even already eaten half the steak. Uh, by the time we get back home, I immediately take it, okay? Now, I want to say to you right now, that is what quiet time is to our spirit. We've done it. We've spent time with God. He's, and please, people, those of you who like to do your quiet time at night, uh, please think about it. Change your mind. It's best to do it in the morning. Okay? Early in the morning, give your day to the Lord. And, and let God... You know, Jesus also woke up very early, early in the morning and He spent time with the Father. And when He spent time with the Father, the Father spoke to Him and told Him of things of the day and things of the week. And so Jesus walked everywhere. He walked with confidence because He already had time with the Father and the Father already spoke to Him. Can I say this to you before I close this point? Having a good quiet time is not just about talking to God because the truth is, God already knows what you're about to say before you say it. I want to say it again. God already knows what you're about to say, what you have to say. God already knows your need, the Bible says, even before you ask Him. So more importantly, in quiet time, in devotion, is to hear God talk, is to read His Word and to draw out from Him. That's the power. That's the real power. If you look into Exodus, every time Moses met with God, the Bible says God talked with Moses. God talked with Moses. God talked with Moses. It doesn't always say Moses talked with God because I tell you right now, the, the real important thing that happens in a quiet time devotion, the, the thing that makes it work so powerfully is not you talking to Him because He already knows all that's in your heart, but He needs to talk to you. And that's why for me, spending one hour with God is, 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 is not difficult anymore. Uh, that's usually my minimum time with Him every day. Uh, even on holiday uh, with my wife, uh, on our 25th anniversary, my wife can tell you, I'm up every morning, the Holy Spirit wakes me up, 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30, I'm up, you know, if that room is a suite that we stayed in, they have another room, I'll go into the other room and I will make sure God is first and I'll make sure that I'll never forsake my quiet time. Again, I want to give Him the glory because He gives us strength. But I tell you what, it's been so good. One hour is not a problem, but sometimes I go one and a half hours, one hour, 45 minutes. Why? Because when God starts speaking and you start journaling and writing down what He says, I tell you, the time can just pass very, very quickly. There is no other spiritual discipline, in my opinion, that provides us the anchor that we so desperately need in the midst of raging seas and uncertain waters than having spent quality time with God. 
I call it the anchor. The anchor. Every one of us need an anchor. Are you all still with me? We need an anchor and too many of us don't have anchors in our lives and that's why in these raging waters and these uncertain seas, what happens is that we get tossed to and fro and we worry and we are fearful and we're not sure. No, make sure that you have an anchor. And what is that anchor? In my opinion, that anchor is your quiet time. It is the easiest thing to miss, yes or no? It's the easiest thing to give up. It's the first thing that sacrifice when we are busy going about our own business. First thing that goes out the window is your quiet time. Yes or no? Sometimes someone told me that day, Pastor, very hard to read the Bible, like, especially when it comes to Leviticus, you know, and uh, Deuteronomy, you know. Listen, listen, whatever it is, it's a discipline, it's a habit. It must become a custom and a culture in our lives. Do not forsake meeting with God. Sixth and last point. Always be ready to give to God only that which really means something to you. Always be ready to give to God only that which really means something to you. Now, listen people, I'm not just talking about money. I want to make myself very clear. I'm not just talking about tithe and offerings like that. I'm talking about anything that's precious to you. In fact, your whole life. Be ready in and out of season to give. Be generous, you know. Because our God who made us is generous and we are made in His image. God is so generous, the Bible says He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a very, very generous God. You have never seen generosity like God's generosity. But we were made, as I said, in God's image, and therefore we are also meant to be generous. And when we are generous, when we learn to give, we shall also see uh, uh, that generosity coming back to us in many folds over. You know, if there were three things I were to tell Benji and Michelle when they went to Japan, I would say, Benji, Michelle, always put God first. Benji, Michelle, never forsake your quiet time. Benji, Michelle, always be in and out daily. Have a heart ready to be generous to God first and to those that God tell you to be generous to. Alright, this is very important. Let me look now at 2 Samuel 24, 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24, David said to Arona, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. David was a man after God's own heart. God called David that. He said, this is a man after my own heart. You know, God is so pleased with David. Because David had a character, David had a spirit, David had a heart that he would not give to God that which cost him nothing. David knew the price that needed to be paid. David knew how much value we needed to give to God and we cannot give him nothing. You know, uh, Aruna was ready to give God, or rather I should say David, Aruna was ready to give David, his king, all that David needed. But David said, no, I don't want these free things. I cannot give free things to God. But some of us, of course, on this earth today, we love free things. We love free gifts, you know. Buy one, get one free. Buy two, get two free. We want free gifts. We live on free gifts. And sometimes businesses survive when they have free gifts to give out. When you don't have free gifts, you don't want to buy from that place. But you know, God is not the kind of God with that kind of mentality. And David was surely not the man uh, who was after God's heart who had that kind of mentality. No, I know, Aruna, you want to give it to me free, but I cannot give to God that which costs me nothing. And again, I'm not talking about money only. I'm not talking about tithes and offering. I'm talking about more than that. Time and talent and possessions. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. What does Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 say? Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits, again, first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Come on, honour the Lord. You know the word honour is a very, very good word. In the Hebrew, honour, I think, uh, if I can remember correctly, it, it means kabad. Um, and uh, if I, even if I got the Hebrew uh, uh, name or pronunciation wrong, it actually just means, honour just means wait. 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 So when you honour somebody and this person feels honoured and this person goes away feeling that honour is because he has gone away heavier than when he came. 
That's why people put garlands on you, okay? Garland to honour. Now, you're full of garlands and you go away like that, you know? Heavier. Or they put a medal on you. They put a, a gold medal on you. Thank you so much, you know? And then you go away weightier. You know, before you came, you were, you were 55 kilograms. You left 56 kilograms because the, the medal was one kilogram. What honour means is make sure that person goes away weightier, heavier. And that's why in the Chinese, Chinese culture and Hebrew culture and a lot of cultures in the, around the world, we feed people. How do we honour people? We feed them with the best. And so people go away feeling, oh, I'm so full. I feel so heavy. Yeah, that's right. You have honoured the person because you have sent the person away, not lighter, but heavier. And sometimes that's why we do. We don't just tell people, oh, you're hungry? Oh, the Lord bless you. Huh? Go in peace. The Bible says that's not the way it should be done. If you want to honour, you feed that person. You don't just say, God bless you. And so what happens is that, you know, you, you, you put, I don't know, Maybe in those days, it was not cash. It was, you know, in, in, in forms of uh, coins or, 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 or nuggets, uh, silver nuggets or gold nuggets. And you always go away weightier, heavier. And when we honour the Lord, when we shower Him with praise, the sacrifice of praise, when we honour the Lord and shower Him with worship, we shower Him with thanksgiving, we, you know, God may have come in here 100 kilograms, but after X Church is finished with worship, God goes away 200 kilograms. God is honoured. And all the offerings that we gave to Him, all the money, the cash, whatever it is, transfer or no transfer, whatever you did, you know, God goes away. Every time He meets with X Church, God goes away honoured. He goes away kabad. He goes away heavier. Don't say you honour anyone if they don't go away heavier than when they came. I'm not talking about heavy in terms of burden. I'm talking about heavy in terms of blessing. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I want, I want you to know, the Bible says honour. What does Malachi say? Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10, let's read it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now. God has never told us to try Him in anything, but He told us to try Him now in this, says the Lord if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing. You know, God also wants to honour you. The Bible says, God will honour him who honours God. Yes or no? God will honour them that honour him. So as you honour God, he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. He, he wants to make you heavier. So as you and I make God heavier and bless him with this weight of glory, you know, he in turn wants to bless us. He wants to honour those who honour him and this is the truth. And He will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing until there is no room to contain it. Now what happens when there's no room to contain it? You made a lot of room but still no room to contain the blessing. Well, when you have no room to contain the blessing, you share it. You share it. So blessed are those who give more than they receive. So now not only are you blessed because your whole room is filled with blessing, you're more blessed because you're able to give. Why, why do you give? Because there's no more room to contain it. So if there's no more room to contain it, do you just build another room, three more rooms, four more rooms? No. When there's no more room to contain it, you, you bless. You give. You give. Are you all still with me? No more room to contain it, so share it. Share it. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. But God is going to make sure that He opens the windows of heaven if you bring the tithes and offerings. So listen, as I draw towards my last lap, I want to say to you, don't concentrate on tithes and offering in that scripture. Concentrate on the word bring. God said to us, bring. And this is my conviction. Never come to God empty-handed. And so I always prepare something in my wallet. Wherever I go, it can be Japan, it can be anywhere. Do you know, and this shocks a lot of people, where I get invited to speak, I'm sitting at the front because they're about to call me up to speak. But before they call me up, because they're a church, they also have offering time. And I will never let the offering back pass me, even as a speaker, without putting something in. Because I don't do it for that church, I do it unto God. There is this power, and it's not just about tithes and offering, it's about bring. We bring a sacrifice of praise, it's not just about money. We bring a worship, we bring a weight, a glory, we bring something. I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. And so people get very surprised. Pastor Kenneth, you are the speaker, we should be giving you an offering. I said, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about, I can't come to God with empty hands. Because God has never come to me with empty hands. 
God has never come to me with empty hands. And, and, and I, I just believe, Benji, Michelle, anyone else watching this, listening to this, you know, you might be missionaries in Japan, but I know, I'm sure, Benji, Michelle, you will never stop giving to the Lord and giving off yourself to the Lord and to the people around you. I like this other scripture. The last one is found in 2 Corinthians. Is it in 2 Corinthians? Verse eight, uh, well, chapter 8, verse 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians, do you have that? Yeah. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I love this one. And not only as we had hoped, but they gave of themselves first to the Lord. You know why you can give so much to God and so much to the people around you? Because you first give yourself. You know, people would like to argue about whether it's 10%, how much is tithes, how much is offering. No, 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 no. I have not ever seen myself, by the grace of God, come to a place where I argue whether it's 11%, 10%, net or gross. I don't need to. Because all of my being belongs to God. All of me belongs to God. You know, my heart won't even be beating if God didn't allow it to. My heart beats because God says, keep on beating. My breath, I breathe because God says, lungs, keep on breathing. I know there's a lot of people on respiratory uh, help, ventilators. And it's so hard for them to breathe and we take it for granted. Yes, we pray for Melissa Chong's dad and I have a vision of him coming out of ICU in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Okay? His name is Michael Chong and, and, and he's a very popular man uh, in, in, in Malaysia. But you know what to do? This sickness has, is no respecter of whoever we are. Okay? So, so I am praying, the whole church is praying, Mich Mich Michelle or Melissa rather, uh, and her whole family is praying. We are believing Jesus to heal. But I want to say this to you, even our breath comes from the Lord our whole life. So what is 10%? What, 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 what is 20%? What, what, what is not just money, time. Everything belongs to the Lord. If the Lord didn't want me to live, I won't be here anymore. So I give God all the glory. You know, uh, the Lord showed me that uh, when, when we are to love Him with all our hearts, trust Him with all our hearts, serve Him with all our hearts, um, it's, it's like this. The Lord showed me an illustration and I just want to use you uh, my dear wife, uh, to help me with this illustration. You know, let's just say this is all the money I have in my wallet. And again, I'm not going to want to talk about money. It's not just about money. So please, when you're listening to me, don't just think about, oh, this pastor's talking about money. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's just the best illustration I have right now. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of Christians also live like this. We, we just give to God what we think uh, we can afford. So here we go, God. Uh, that's the easiest because that's the smallest. Uh, and we go like, that's easy because it's not painful. Okay, have another one because I have a few. Uh, then you have this kind of message, you know. Give God your all. Love God with all. Trust God with all. And you go, oh, okay. Uh, maybe I should give more. Okay, uh, how about taking some of these red notes? Because I, I have quite a few of these red notes. I have plenty of these red notes. In fact, I have most of these red notes. So I think I, I, I won't miss another two more. How about that? But you know, what God is saying, and Christians listen to me because it's a simple message, but it's very significant and sometimes even very hard to do is what is God asking us to do is to do this, okay? Take all of my time, take all of my life, take all of my heart, take all of my love, take all of my trust, God, because you are deserving. Now this then presents us a problem. The problem is we are supposed to love other people too. Okay, so let's say my wife is God now and, and, and she has just received everything I have in my wallet. I don't have anything, really, nothing else, nothing else to give, okay? Nothing else. This is, I mean it, I mean it. God, you deserve my all. But you see, I also have to love uh, my family. I have to love my wife. Uh, for those of you who have children, I have to love my children. Uh, and I have to love. So this is the problem. The problem is I don't have any more to give. I don't have anything else to give. No, no more time, no more talent. Okay, but this is, this is what God wants. God in His Word has asked us to love our spouse. He has asked us to love our children. He has asked us to love our community, love our neighbours, right? So God won't go against His Word. Now that we have given all, you know what God will do? So let's say you are God and you are telling me, just whisper into my ear whatever you want to whisper, uh, in terms of wife, in terms, in terms of children, in terms of whatever, just, just go ahead. Okay, okay. so uh, God just said, love your wife as Christ loves the church. And I said, yeah, but God, I just gave you everything. So what is God going to do? God gives me something to give. Now it comes back from the God that I just gave everything. So I want you to know that God will never tell us to do something and not give us the power to do it. So we are not the person that decides 
who we want to love and who we don't want to love. God tells us to love and gives us the power. And how, how if, how if I don't have enough? That even what I have in my hands is not enough. Maybe God says, give to this ministry. So God says, okay, give to this ministry. And this ministry needs 300 ringgit, but I only have 200 and I give it all to God. You know what God will do? God will add to this 200 and give it back to me and say, oh my word, how do, you, do, how do I get 300? He gave me a, maybe a new contract, gave me a new job, gave me an offering, uh, you know, reminded somebody who owed me money, hey, you know, pay, pay up. Because God wants me to give to this ministry. So I want you to know this is the power of giving everything to God and trusting Him because He will give you the love for your wife. He will give you the love for your children. He will give you the love for your neighbour. So that means even if your neighbour is a nuisance, and you don't have the heart to love your neighbour, he will give it. And so, okay, God, you are the one who gave it to me. Otherwise, I, I will keep this money to myself, man. I will not give this terrible neighbour love. I will keep it to myself. I will keep it to my heart. But I can't do it now because I've given it to God and God has said, give this to your neighbour. I'm like, okay, are you sure? Alright. Neighbour who don't deserve my love, I can only give you because God gave to me. You argue with your wife and so you have no love for her uh, in the morning when you woke up because you argue with her. Terrible argument at, 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 at night, last night. This morning you woke up and God says, love your wife. I said, God, I really hate her guts because terrible, she was so rude to me, she was so bad to me. And God says, love your wife and gives you the love to love her. And you're, you're saying, even though I have no strength to love you this morning, God has given me strength. You turn to your children, your children are so disobedient you want to disown all of them. And then God says, he, he, he said, love your children. I said, but I have no strength to love my children. They are a whole disobedient bunch of people. And then God says, I'll give you the strength. Are you all still with me? Yeah. This is very, very important. Uh, and uh, you can just be seated for one. Thank you, dear. Uh, uh, one more thing I want to share, share with you. So God's gold standard God's gold standard is found in His Word. His gold standard is give all, not some, not half. Give all. Love God with all. Trust God with all. Serve God with all. Give Him first. Make Him first always. Uh, make sure the quiet time is, is in priority and always give God your best, okay? So this is God's Word. This is God's gold standard. But instead, what the enemy wants to do, just like in Moses' time when he uh, spoke through Aaron, Aaron uh, decided that, okay, it's alright to build a golden calf. And the golden calf looked like it was alright because this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, okay? So worship this golden calf as if you're worshipping God. But to God, that's idolatry. Uh, but but they, 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 they had a golden calf. But, but between the golden calf and God's standard, it's two very different things. And so, if you compare the golden calf and God's golden standard, you will know that you fall short. You fall short. So here, here's how, how I'm going to finish this message. I want to say to you that there is something that sounds very good. It's called work-life balance. Work-life balance, okay? And work-life balance, I know a lot of young working adults love it. They love that. They go for seminars about that. But I can tell you this right now because please hear me well. Huh? In the last days, Satan will again use deception as a sword to slayness. And the best of us, even the best Christians, if you're not careful, if we don't have discernment, discernment is a very important gift in the last days, if we don't have discernment, we think that everything that feels good is God. And so Satan is not going to come to you with a bad deal. In fact, he's going to come to you with a good deal. He's going to come to you not with feel bad. He's going to come to you with feel good. He's not going to come to you with look bad. He's going to come to you with look good. Everything that Satan is going to present you is going to look good, feel good. Are you all still with me? He comes as an angel of light. If he comes to you with something ugly and something evil and something bad, you will run away, right? So he will not do that. So listen to me. Even the work-life balance sounds good, feels good, but it's not God because God didn't say work-life balance. God said what? All. And so the way you are supposed to work-life balance with God he is the arbitrator. He is the judge. He is the one who speaks. And we have nothing to offer unless God gives to us. And so God will say now, Kenneth Chin, you work too hard, rest. Kenneth Chin, you're not working too hard, now work. Okay? So the work-life balance comes from the one who knows what work-life balance is. And he knows what's best for me. But if work-life balance is my God, 
What happens is that it, 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 it's in my hands to decide. Just like I was holding this cash, work-life balance is in your hands. It's no longer in God's hands, it's in your hands. And how many of you know, we don't know what's best for us. We don't know what's best for others. So sometimes we might be, uh, Pastor Andrew, where are you? Uh, just very quickly, come out here again. I only got a few more minutes because it's, it, I, I'm over my time already, but I know that people wanted to hear this uh, because from the first service, they said, Pastor, uh, finish your preaching. So here we go. So, so let's just say, I, I, you know, I want to give you a uh, work-life balance. So I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm not God, but I'm deciding for you because I think I'm smart. I, I think I know what life balance, uh, work-life balance is. And so I think I know the balance. So here we go. Oh, I think you need a balance in your life. Uh, here we go. And I just gave her eight ringgit. Okay? And that could be too little for her. Too little, and then you, but, but as a boss or as an employer or whoever, as a father, as a mother, say, Oh, no, 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 I think it's enough for you. But you're not a good judge at these things, <laughs> you don't know what life is really. Only God, who's the maker of life, knows. And so you say, Oh, okay, okay, uh, not enough, uh, okay, I'll give you 20 more. And even though you to you is a lot, it's still not enough for her. Okay, now you could also do this, you could be a very generous person and say, Oh, take everything, like this work life balance, and then suddenly you just gave too much, and now the person is spoiled. Now the person doesn't want to work. Now the person, I don't know. I don't know. And, and the, the life is messed up. She doesn't fulfill her dreams. She doesn't see any destiny. She doesn't see any reason for living because you just gave her too much and you call that work-life balance. How do you know? Thank you so much, dear. Only God knows. So I know that it sounds very good. I also think it sounds very good. People go for seminars for this. But listen, there's only one seminar I call you to today. And it's a seminar of the gold standard, God's standard, not the golden calf. Please stop worshipping the golden calf. And there's many more other uh, words sometimes of how to bring up children, bring up the children in the modern way, in this way, in that way. No, no, no. Bring up children in this way. Seriously, friends, listen to me carefully. Stop going, getting deceived into worshipping golden cows because in the world, they were celebrated, they were highlighted, they were exalted as the best you know, children's program. And this is the way you should uh, train children, not train children in the way they should go in the Word of God. You know, no, you know, we have a better way. We know what life, work-life balance is. You know, we know, we know. And you end up messing people's lives. So listen as I close. Listen as I close. The best way is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, um, uh, you know. It is to serve God with all your heart. Put God first. Remember to put your quiet time in priority and give God what, what is precious to you. Remember, Abraham gave Isaac and God continues to call us to give Him only our best. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.